Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Wednesday night, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, 2021. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. It means it's blood and guts. It's Wrestling Inc. news and it's Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am Justin LaVar alongside my partner in crime on the Wednesday nights, Alfred Kunoa from Forbes.com. Alfred, how you feeling? Good, man. How you feeling? You enjoyed Blood and Guts? I did. I, I did. You know, it's a two-hour show we'll get into. Uh, yeah. Overall, I thought um, I thought 90% of it was was really good. The 10% I'm going to harp on, at you know, at, when we get to it, it's an important 10%, but I, I don't think it's going to you know, define tonight. I thought overall this was a really good night. Um, a, a good pace. It was, it was a lot of fun. So I, I think uh, I, I don't think it was a dud. I think I think AEW came through in their delivery overall. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I loved the, the. I thought it was very entertaining in terms of the main event. I'm like you in that I didn't love everything, and I'm sure we're going to get into what we liked and didn't like and stuff like that. But overall, you know, the thing was, I want to be entertained by this match. I really kind of had my hopes high, and I think they met them, especially based on the fact they had all these great promos that they did uh, that really built up the match. Well, the match had to kind of deliver. And I think it did live up to the level of the great promos that we saw. So we'll get into blood and guts uh, here in a moment. Uh, we are going to actually you know, kind of do things in reverse is how we have in the Wednesdays. We're going to touch on real quick um, two news headlines that have been uh, occupying the top of Wrestling Inc. Uh, in the past 24 hours. Uh, one of them out for being RK Bro. Some backstage <laughs> news coming from PW Insider that uh, RK Bro, this is not just a throw it against the wall for one or two weeks, that the plan is is that as, as, as unlikely as the pairing of Matt Riddle and Randy Orton is, that this is going to be a sizable push and that this is probably something that's uh, you know here to stay for, for some length of time, maybe even then eventually get to the point where they challenge tag team champion JJ Styles and Omos. Uh, and, and when you know that there's a plan for, for booking merchandise possibly coming very soon, I don't buy. I, I you know I, I don't really you know I, I don't really buy pro wrestling merchandise or shirts anymore. But depending on what the <laughs> what it is, I might go in on some RK Bro. Oh, you got it, man! I, this has so much promise, and this makes me so happy that they're actually going with this because week one, even WWE on commentary was kind of self-referential and saying, "Oh yeah, you never know. This is the night where Randy Orton's going to turn on Riddle," and they kind of gave you the impression that it was going to be quick. Orton was going to turn on this idiot, but they just had such great chemistry from the beginning. And every week they've done it, and every time they kind of tease what's to come, like Riddle saying, "We got to have snakeskin gear that matches." When I heard that, I was like, "You." better not break these guys up because i want to see that 
So I think um, they've been really good together. This is the type of thing that a lot of people have seen this Riddle character. They've been very down on it because it's a comedy character and the guy who's doing it is like a legit tough guy who is actually very good at what he does in terms of wrestling. But pairing with Randy Orton, doing the kind of team hell no model, getting really hot as a team and then down the road, way down the road, having Randy Orton turn is going to really put Matt Riddle into that stratosphere of being a legit uh, top star in terms of a singles guy. So this is his window of opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've said it uh, on Mondays. It's weird. I said it on the first week and I, and I doubled down after the second week. The, um, the, the RK bro has early team hell, no vibes of just that crazy dysfunctional marriage and team that is comedy. But then when they have to, the two guys can kick ass when, when it comes, when it comes time. So uh, touching on some news headlines, if you just jumping in right now, you're going, Hey, it's Wednesday night. Why are we talking WWE hitting a few news headlines? We're going to get into blood and guts here in moments. So that was one news item. The other news item we're going to touch on, also dealing in the world of WWE, but maybe the world of just pro wrestling in general at this point. Daniel Bryan, who, of course, lost his match to Roman Reigns last Friday on SmackDown, stipulation being uh, if Bryan lost, he was uh, done with SmackDown, barred from SmackDown. Got many people wondering, well, what's his real-life situation? Uh, Fightful Selected first reported uh, that Bryan, in fact, his contract did expire on Friday. That that match was the last under under his term of his contract, and that, you know, there wasn't, wasn't a big farewell backstage. It, you know, wasn't even necessarily known how how widely known it was. Any any farewells Brian might have gave was apparently done behind closed doors. But he's a free agent, and Alfred he's a free agent to the point of his contract naturally expired, which means there is no ninety day non compete. And mm-hmm. so hypothetically, he could have shown up tonight if he wanted to in AEW. Obviously, he did not. Um, uh, and then Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer uh, uh, updating the story, saying that WWE is pushing hard to try to get something on paper. Uh, even if it's a part-time deal, trying to get Brian inked to remain with them so he cannot just show up somewhere else. What do you make of DB? Um, I'm very surprised that they would let his contract just kind of lapse the way it did. Um, it kind of tells me at the same time that maybe they are talking things out. Maybe they do feel good about the chances of him resigning. But uh, nothing really surprises me these days, especially after we saw Sting and Big Show go to AEW. They've been very aggressive. I don't even necessarily know if AEW would be the move for Dana Bryan to leave, um, but he does sound like somebody who at the very least wants to work with outside promotions. And uh, I remember, you know, Wrestling Inc. also had the story about when they were talking and speculating about possibly MLW working with WWE. One of the caveats of that story was that WWE backstage, the officials don't want to view the company as a company that can't work with outside promotions, that they're stuck in their old ways. So through Daniel Bryan, if he resigns with WWE, uh, maybe they'll give him his wish and have him go out to AAA, have him go out to different promotions temporarily, maybe even the WWE approved promotions like Progress Wrestling and do things outside there while still working with WWE. But you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan, who's a family man, uh, that kind of stands out that Brie Bell is still with WWE. She and her sister Nikki are going to return sometime down the road. I find it hard to believe that Daniel Bryan, who's clearly family first, is going to um, feel good about kind of working at another company away from his wife, away from his family. Uh, That kind of tells me that he might be more likely to stay with WWE. Uh, All good points. And let's add on to the family point. His stepfather-in-law is the head of talent relations and Johnny, John Laurinaitis. So, um, but I agree to you. I think, you know, Brian's one of those people, uh, he is not, money is not good. Like you can't, not just going to throw buckets of money and and, and that's going to be what makes him stay. That's not who he is. He will tell you that he doesn't live. You know, I think for longest time the guy said like he didn't have like a TV. He just does, yeah. he just doesn't live that lifestyle that's driven by money and, and material. I think it is creative happiness and schedule happiness, and I think he is very much about fresh matchups. What more can he do on Raw or SmackDown? And so I agree. I think 
all the routes you throw out there, I think you look at NXT, the fresh things he could do. If he, if he said, hey, I want to go tour NXT a little bit. I want to help try to move the needle on Tuesday nights. I want to work a little bit NXT UK. And that's a yeah. project that, that Triple H was r- very motivated behind in the pandemic hit, which halted it. And now it's slowly starting to pick back up. So I think you're right. I think for them, the, 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 he had Brian has all the leverage, but they are really going to have to listen to his where he's at. Um, because yeah, if they don't, he's going to go seek those fresh matchups out elsewhere, whether he feels good about a family or not. But I, I don't think he's done wrestling. I think he knows he still has some matches left, but he wants to make them count and not just be repetitive. Go fill 20 minutes for TV against somebody we've seen you work. Um, you know, so all right. So that was our news headlines. Uh, you can check that and more out on wrestlinginc.com. It's Wednesday. Let's get in to blood and guts from AEW. Been building uh, to this for some weeks. Obviously, been building to the the showdown of the Inner Circle Pinnacle for a very long time, for months. Uh, so that's going to be what's going to anchor the show. Uh, we kick it off. TNT shows a parental advisory warning, the first I can recall for AEW Dynamite. So already just kind of getting you hyped yeah. up. Blood and guts got to put up the, you know, hey, hey, mom. Does that get you more excited, though? It does. It, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's the old thing when, when, when we're growing up in, you know, middle school or whatever, and you see the CD's got the parental advisory sticker. Yeah. You're like, oh, this, this has got something on it here. <laughs> Uh, Frontal advisory warning. Uh, we get the big pyro. Forty uh, percent capacity tonight at Daily Center. Uh, Daily's place fifteen hundred fans, so the largest crowd for AEW uh, since the pandemic began. Um, they were allowed. Now this this shot of the crowd and the pyro. This is all live. Uh, but if you notice, they make a point not to show the ring. They make a point not to show the broadcasters, the commentators, because they then switch right into what was already taped. The first hour of matches already taped. Uh, the reason being because they have the giant cage cell. Uh, erected over top of the two rings, D- it, it, they don't have it logistically set up to just set that up in a matter of minutes over a commercial breaks. So they had to already have that in place. So all the matches in the first hour already taped, um, which is why they kind of shot things the way they did. But nonetheless, still an entertaining first hour, all all things considered. We kick it off with uh, Don Callis coming out with Michael Nakazawa. And then uh, it's supposed to be him and Omega versus Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Callis first says that uh, <laughs> Omega's not going to be there. And so it's just going to be all Nakazawa and then Moxie and Kingston make the famous entrance from the crowd. But then Omega jumps them, uh, beats them up. Omega eventually, uh, you know, this match goes on. Omega eventually says the hell with this and just leaves Nakazawa to fend for his own. And uh, Moxie and Kingston get the win. Uh, but then after the match, uh, the Bucks stare them down. Uh, and then the Good Brothers come in and attack from behind. And then Omega eventually does come back out. And this is just a long, just a drawn out beatdown of uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, so, uh, Alfred, what did you make of this start here? Uh, and, and again, the story that continues here uh, with, with, with the elite, uh, the elite and the Good Brothers all back together. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fine. I, I really like what they've done in terms of this stable with the elite. It's very similar with what they did with Bullet Club, where there are like secondary members of this stable who can take losses, and it doesn't necessarily hurt that stable. You know, by the end of this segment, uh, the elite looked strong and they're fine. And it was Nakazawa who took the pinfall loss. And that's kind of what you expect from Nakazawa as kind of like the comedy type character. So they have to have ways to beat Kenny Omega, quote unquote, without actually beating him because he's a belt collector and he's unbeatable right now. And one way to do that is um, through, you know, Michael Nakazawa would be a good way to do that. But um, yeah, I thought the match was fine. I thought it was very funny. I thought Nakazawa, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I get a real kick out of him, especially when he's doing a lot of his comedy spots, like when he was taking his shirt off as if he that was going to help him in this match. Uh, so I thought he was funny. And, um, yeah, kind of surprised that they laid out Moxley again, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I you know, we, we just got a big, I don't know if it was the end. I don't, in fact, I don't think it's the end. But we got a you know, big showdown tonight and, and uh, match with Inner Circle and uh, Pinnacle. 
Yeah, I'm curious where, you know, what is the, you know, we know Omega's going to have a title match, which we'll get to in a little bit at, at the next pay-per-view, but like, what is the grand build here? And then I wonder how much does fans, how much does travel, you know, does new, do, do we have players in Japan that get involved? Like, I, I'm just really curious, are they just kind of treading water, waiting for a certain point? Do they know where they're going? Have they, I mean, have they booked into a corner? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I still can't get a feel for like, where is this going? What's the timeline of this? Um, which I guess can be good, but I, I don't know. It's yeah, well, I mean, especially I mean, as the show unfolded, we'll get into the later segments and the big match they have announced next week. But with that, you know, a couple of new contenders in the fold. Why why are they spending so much time with Kenny Omega and uh, Kingston and Moxley if that's the direction as well? A couple of minutes ago, we got the super chat from Jody Shauna Jenkins, five dollar Canadian. Justin, overall good show, but that Jericho landing looks soft. We'll get to that, my friend. Uh, <laughs> plus, for as long as Omega's been wrestling, why are his promos still so weak? You know, his promos are certainly better as the heel that I've seen in AEW. Uh, his babyface, not so much. Even still, though, I, 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 I get where the criticism is coming from. Kenny Omega is just one of the best belt-to-belt performers. You can't deny that. But, I, I, Alfred, I, I do get a sense that he still he still has to force it a little bit. He still has to, like, he's Kenny Omega knows who Kenny Omega is in that ring. But I still feel like once he gets on the mic and character work, he's still trying to, he's still playing wrestler yeah. sometimes, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And even when he's out of character, it, I mean, not out of character, but outside the ring, kind of building up the character, it kind of stands out. And it's always like he's trying to experiment with something and he doesn't fully understand what that person is supposed to be. Uh, he's never really blown me away with one of his promos for a guy that good, you know, a guy at his caliber in terms of one of the best who's ever done it. I don't think I remember any time where I've heard him cut a promo and been like, wow, that is incredible. He's had pretty good promos. I thought he was incredible in terms of building up the Rich Swan match. I thought he was very good here and there. He's never had that one defining promo. And I do agree that that is, if we're going to look at the weak parts of his game, which there aren't a lot, I, promos definitely up there. Yeah. You know, I remember year, you know, years ago when, um, we, you know, when we, when they knew that his New Japan time was coming and, you know, there was, there was, you know, the rumors of, oh, would he go to, WWE, I, I think it was even maybe leading up towards, it was coming towards like the end of the calendar year. So like Rumble right. wasn't too far off. People speculate, could he go to, could he come in the Rumble? And I, and I, it's just, I, I think back to that. I'm like, you know, we know how, you know, he, he wouldn't have been used to the fullest. And I, you know, I just, I mean, good for him that he didn't do that. And maybe he saw it like, and then, then again, just the lack of, I think the, 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 the comfort and the character on the mic, I just, I think he would have ended up, you know, maybe would have succeeded in NXT's environment, but I think would have, floundered maybe not even to his fault but floundered yeah once raw and smackdown so again i guess you know good good on him that you know he didn't go there because i don't think that would have helped his resume and career over uh, at all in the overall picture uh carmine uh five dollar canadian horrible ending tony khan needs to stop booking wrestling this company has so much potential but fares fails to deliver on the big nights all right well again wow. carmine we will uh i mean write to your opinion thanks for five canadian we will uh, we will get to the ending and again look at it from how do other endings of, of aew's big gimmick uh, matches and shows uh, come off. Uh, King Rail, $5. First off, happy Mother's Day to all the women in your lives. Thank you very much. Uh, Mox has a, I'm going to say a semi-Pillman vibe. Uh, do you think he could pull off an AEW-TNA angle like WCW-ECW did? Based upon how, they just, how they're doing AEW and Impact now with what we've seen, which has just been, again, kind of felt like booked into a corner. Who's getting what out of this? Who's getting what benefit other than adding another belt to put around Kenny's waist? Um, I'm going to say no on the cross crossover, M maybe a crossover with new Japan again. Maybe that works. I don't know, but, um, 
I mean, Mox, I, I, Mox has always had, to me, I've always thought he has that Pillman kind of, that Pillman, Piper, loose cannon vibe. Uh, but no, I don't think that he, I don't think the companies that collectively could pull off what you're suggesting. Yeah, you've been seeing how hard it is already. And that, you know, even a small sample size, it just reminds you of historically wrestling invasion angles. It's just like a fool's errand. It always sounds like a better idea than it ends up being because there's just so many politics and pro wrestling. And it's just so hard with the amount of TV time they have to be able to tell all those stories. Yeah, I mean, really, let's, let's be honest. The only time, like the, the biggest invasion angles that have worked are completely manufactured from within. You know, the NWO, oh my God, WWF is invading WCW, which I know we look back now and, you know, it's like, it's been so well documented how Kevin and, and Scott were leaving. Right. But again, 96, there wasn't as, there was not podcasts. Like, you know, like if you're subscribed to The Observer, I guess you're, you're in on it, but that a very small, much smaller percentage, the mainstream audience didn't know that, you know, they, there wasn't aware of that. And so like, you know, that invasion worked and it was completely manufactured all within WCW. But yeah, I mean, ECW invades a you know Monday Night Real uh, an Indian House pay per view in Philly and shows on Raw and again we would come to find out you know ECW is being bankrolled by Vince to to an extent so it's like yeah if it's truly you're truly trying to pull off some kind of invasion yeah it's just everybody wants to look good nobody wants to nobody wants to be the the, the loser at the end of the day and right. you know it's one of the reasons why a union in wrestling probably will never work because everybody's going to go behind each other's back to get a better exactly. deal for the other you know. <laughs> be its own. the union itself will need dirt sheets so that we can keep up with what's going on over there that's the thing all this talk about unions and i know i know it got real crazy with you know with some of the talent that got released last year and like not being told they can't do twit or whatever and talk a union but like in pro in pro wrestling just union won't work everybody was, everybody say oh yeah i agree shake hands and then they're gonna walk out and they're gonna get on hey if you give me this deal, I can tell you, like, it's, it's just the nature yeah, of wrestling. Gonna, I mean, <laughs> Stella Justin Lopez, 499. So I'm guessing Bucks first, Mox and Eddie at double or nothing. Um, yeah, oh, I, I actually kind of get the vibe, maybe like Bucks and Goodfellas, or Good, Goodfellas, Good Brothers. Uh, and then, because yeah, like they made, they kind of really sold it right, that Mox and Eddie, like, they were just getting beat up. Like, they needed something, they need some more help. They need some right. more people to, to take their backs. So I think. Something along those lines. Uh, co combo breaker, dollar ninety nine. AEW, great gimmick matches. <laughs> Terrible ending. Ah, oh, you guys did not like that ending. It sounds like oh, we will get to it. All right, so uh, keeping it going here. Thank you, of course, for the super chats. We get another uh, personal. Get matter. real quick. Step out real quick. Five Go seconds. Go ahead. Uh, we get another personal matter coming to a head here. This is Cody versus QT Marshall. Of course, QT Marshall uh, breaking out of the shadow of Cody and and and, and taking some of those who are, are from the Nightmare Factory. And uh, form their stable. Uh, you know, the, the last week they kind of all of a sudden on top of the of the bus was Cody's bus, which QT Marshall and company showed up on. So this kind of being uh, stepping quick on the get on the acceleration to kind of get this where they have. But Cody versus QT, um, you know, this uh, again a blood and guts style match. Uh, some blood in it. I don't even know how Cody got. I actually rewound a few times. I couldn't tell. It's a hell of a visual. Cody bleeding like from the side of his eye, but I couldn't tell what did it. Like, yeah, it like was a definitely something hard way it looked like. I don't think there was a plan for him to to bleed in that match, especially with blood and cuts. I'm sure they're watching that match, you know, in the main event, like thinking like, oh, God, <laughs> Cody is bleeding now. You know, it's kind of taken away from all the blood we're going to be doing. So I don't think the plan was for Cody to bleed, but he bled a lot in this match. Yeah, it, it, it definitely a hard way because, it, you know, if it's not going to be hard way, there's just certain areas that you blade. To, like he was the, this origin of the yeah. blood was coming. And I don't and that's not one if you're not going to. Take a razor there. I, and I don't know. I couldn't find, like, what impact did it. I couldn't find the, the spot. Right. right. But nonetheless, it looked, you know, 
it was it was a hell of a visual. Um, you know, we see the leather weight belts. The, the, each of them whipped each other with that. Uh, the ref took Cody's away, and then QT had one and did it to Cody. As we said, blood. Arn Anderson gets into it. He's grinding QT's face into the ring post. Um, ultimately, though, Cody's going to get the win here with the figure four. Uh, so, what do you think? I mean, is this like, are we done with this? I mean, does does QT and company go back to AEW Dark and Elevation? I mean, what, what, what do, do you do? We need anything more from this? Um, I, I don't think we're done with this, especially, you know, they did something after the match. It was a pretty big angle with Cody getting buried by that flag. So I think the story is going to be Cody kind of going through the Nightmare Factory um, or the factory, the, the new stable offshoot of the Nightmare family. Uh, so I think he's got more matches with these guys ahead uh, while they're in kind of a holding pattern with Cody, to be honest. But uh, I think we're going to get a lot more of these matches. Uh, maybe he'll get some help. Maybe it'll be similar to what they're doing with the Elite and Moxley and that eventually Cody will find that he's outnumbered and he's going to need uh, some help from somebody else. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, also, I, this is the first time I noticed all night, and they were doing this all night. They used blood and guts in war games interchangeably. They didn't even say war games, but they were talking about Arn Anderson, like you were mentioning early. And they said, oh, Arn Anderson was in the first blood and guts match. So it sounds like this is going to be their, um, you know, blood and guts is going to be their war games. And they're just going to uh, put it with the history of that match. Sure. Well, and war games is trademarked by WWE, correct? Yeah, yeah. So they can't say it uh, on their broadcasting. I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I don't know what the legal. I don't know if you can say it and pass it, but you definitely can't market and, and, and advertise and build to that being the right. Name. But yeah, I, I, that's a good catch, good call by you. Blood and guts will be their their substitute name for what a war game style match is. Uh, Two dollars super chat coming from Corey Pry. Kenny plays wrestler. Belt belongs on Page uh, or uh, Christian Cage. And Jeremy Scott, three ninety nine Canadian. That Jericho <laughs> bump looked fun, and I yeah, I don't know if that's what you want. Oh, it looked fun. We no, no, yeah. in the park. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to it. This is like this is just a tease. Hang on, we we will get to the ending. Yeah. We, we, will, we will give time to it. Trust me. Um, so yeah, things real personal there with Q, Cody and QT. Uh, and you're right. You know, it's like really, yeah. You can't be all this blood, and you know, you're, you're trying to save the blood for the for the for the big second hour. But I mean, I and I don't know. It, it's a that match was taped, but I mean, I guess you don't waste a good natural hard way. You don't, you yeah. don't retape that match, I guess, you know? Right. Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, $5 from Kayla Mick. Uh, did you like QT's moonshot? I think he's referring to the, the low blow that he had if, in the match. I'm guessing Kayla. Um, that's maybe that was what you, I, I don't, don't know. Not, I mean, I was watching the match. I'm not sure exactly what, what if I missed what was noted as a moonshot, but yeah. Sorry, Kayla, on the uh, five dollars there, not being able to give a good answer. Uh, we get an interview, or we get a, just basically an interview turned into just a brawl. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky they're up in the the balcony uh, corner of Daly's place, and uh, Darby Allen and them are fighting. Darby tr- climbs up one of the trusses. He does another coffin drop. Um, <laughs> Scorpio Sky runs about a forty yard dash with a trash can <laughs> to come and get Darby, which looked, you know, both violent and all equally. <laughs> Comical. I don't know why. They're just the visual. Uh, but the big, the big, big thing here was they uh, tossed Darby on a set of steps. And Alfred, let me look. This Darby is captivating. He is he is he's risen to become one of the most um, uh, over baby faces they have. A homegrown talent. When I say homegrown, just meaning he's not a he's not a Jericho. That's mm-hmm. you know he's not a Christian Cage. Uh, he's you know this is the first time a national audience has seen him. But by and large, is AEW. Dude's got balls, but I, I tell you what, I when I watched some of the pre-tape stuff that he was doing when he would be sending in his own movies, the stuff with the skateboard stuff, and I and I can't just help every time I watch one, I go, 
this guy just begging for like his career to be cut short at some point. Like this stuff adds up. Yeah, I was hoping. I mean, this was so bad and hard to watch that in my mind, in order for me to kind of cope with what I just saw, I was like, oh, no, he's probably got some biker gear and some elbow pads or whatnot under there. But, I mean, even if he did, those were concrete stairs that he fell down, he got up, and then he fell down again, almost as if to kind of protect himself from having to go down every stairs. But that looked like it would have hurt a lot more if he had to stand back up and then do the bump again. So that looked insane from the take that bump. And uh, I, I agree. It was kind of comical to see those guys running and sprinting. But I will say, for a pro wrestling show, that looked like a, what a real fight would be if there was a big brawl between, like, three or more guys. If you ever see those on, like, World Star or on YouTube or any of these brawls, it's kind of like you got one guy kind of sprinting while the other guy is fighting. And it had the chaos of a real fight, I will say. But, no, I'm with you in terms of every time I see Darby Allen take these crazy bumps, I'm just like, man, like, you're so young. You've got the world in front of you. You don't need to do this on a free television show in a non-wrestling segment. In, fr- in a tape segment, yeah, with no fans, it's not like you're, yeah. it's not like you're thriving off of the pop. Um, oh, and an update on that moonshot. He's talking about. She was talking about when uh, QT got his pants pulled down, so yeah. they blurred that out. So I mean, that was kind of funny. Parental advisory oh, sticker. <laughs> Parental advisory sticker. Uh, sorry, Kay- Kaylee, you didn't have to pay five again. Uh, Raj doesn't need it that bad. Uh, we, we, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, all right, yeah, so we continue with this. So Dar- no, no Sting. Sting didn't fly in anywhere. Uh, he didn't fly out of the rafters or, or whatever to come save Darby in this one. So, Yeah, he's really selling that injury from last week. What, do you got a heel hook or something like that? Mm-hmm. All right, we get uh, some women's action. So number one ranked Britt Baker uh, in, a, uh, in, in, in a quick squash against Julia Hart. This is Julia Hart's first uh, AEW appearance, I do believe, at least on TV. Uh, and she, you know. Exactly what it should have been. Britt quickly wins a submission. So this just, again, to remind you, hey, we have women. Britt's our next big challenger. Uh, certainly, again, as we've talked about, we don't really need to spend much time on it now. Sorry, Britt, but we've talked about it in previous weeks. We'll talk about it in coming weeks. Feels like it's just on the path to take this title, and finally and rightfully so. Yeah, they're literally – I have not one complaint with this Britt Baker character. She's almost doing too good of a job because the character as a heel is kind of exposing this AEW ranking system, but she's benefiting from it. So, I mean, I just like this character. I like what they're doing with her. She's winning matches. So I'm just, you know, waiting for her in Kikara Shida. Hell, yeah. All right, we get a uh, tag team four-way. So this is going to determine, I believe, number one contenders, right, for um, for tag titles, I believe, is, is is what we got going on here. And we have – uh, Christopher Daniels and Kazarian from SCU, uh, who I believe they, you know, they had said offer right. If they they're they're going they're going to keep going until they lose again. And once they lose, they're done. So it's kind of yeah. like a kind of like a farewell tour feel in a way. Uh, so you got them versus uh, Lucha House Party versus the Varsity Blondes versus the Acclaimed. Uh, some good spots overall here. Of course, they you know uh, uh, Fly and Brian 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 Junior uh, involved in some in, a, in a, a cool couple sequences. I note that just because. Brian Pillman, his dad, a name that's on a lot of our minds right now, uh, is going to be the first subject of the new season of Dark Side of the Ring, which I believe is tomorrow night. Yes, correct? can't wait for that. It'll be part one, too. Part one. So, yeah, so I just I thought, thought, felt the need to bring that up. I, I saw Brian in there, and I'm just that just kind of got me. He's wearing his dad's trunks. and uh, But ultimately, though, uh, and, 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 and Brian, it takes he ends up being the one pin uh, because the finish is uh, – SCU is a combination, basically tombstone pile driver. As Christopher Daniels does a backflip, uh, as Kazarian holds in tombstone pile driver, they call it the BME. They get the victory here. So I guess I guess it shouldn't be a surprise because, as I noted, Alfred and they noted that they're going to break up whenever they lose. Like this is like they're kind of like this farewell run. So um, you know, it seems like they're going to take a run at their at their old buddies, the Bucks, at some point. 
Yeah, well, it looks like is this for next week? I believe is when they're going to have this match. Um, or it's either next week or maybe they're doing it at the pay per view. But is the agreement that they're going to break up or is that they're going to retire if they are they doing like the copy of the flare thing where if he loses he's going to retire? Uh, the chat could try to correct, and you don't necessarily have to pay. I'll try to keep my eye on it here. Uh, I believe it was last week, right? I think they said it came out and cut that promo. Said the boss. Yeah, yeah. you, you know, I, I thought they said we're like, if we once we lose again, we're done. Like just. It kind of sounds like we're just retiring. Like we're, right, we're, right. we're that's what I took out of it. Um, yeah, that's I what I took out of it too. I don't really feel like they're going to break up and then, then do singles runs. I mean, neither of them are spring chickens. Uh, Daniels, I believe, works in talent relations. I think because so he's got you know he's got other things to do. Um, you know, so it's the chat room saying break up, not retire, break up. So okay. I don't know, maybe, so maybe they do go separate ways, but uh, nonetheless, I guess as a tag team, at least this is a, a farewell kind of run here. So we'll see. Yeah, I feel like they could do more with this and they can get more out of this because this is, um, you know, it seems like they're now rushing to that point where they face the Young Bucks. Who knows? Maybe they will beat the Young Bucks somehow and end up being a team for longer. But I feel like there's a lot of juice that they could have where every match, because I was really into this, knowing that this is a stipulation, they did a lot of pinfalls to make you think that, uh oh, they're going to lose this match and have to break up. Uh, so I really like that caveat in their matches. So I, I hope that they do as much as they can with this before they get to the Young Bucks. Uh, Stella Just Lopez, he's chiming in here. Uh, the match is next week. That's why I speculated that it's the Bucks versus Mox and Kingston. Double nothing. Okay, so thank you for that, yeah, uh, that, that. that fact check. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, I was thinking about real quick, I was thinking about Christopher Daniels at one point tonight. You know, he's one of those guys who. He's worked everywhere in, in the United States, except for I'm sure he's done a WWE house or a WWE dark match or something along the ways. But the only guy that never made it to WWE on TV regular, um, you know, kind of obviously he's missed his window at this point. But it, it kind of surprising. And I was trying to think, isn't there was a there's a famous wasn't wasn't there like a gimmick lined up for him? Like I can't, like like the brood or I feel like something was lined up at some point for him. Oh, he was. I mean, the big rumor is that he was gonna be the. Um... The chosen one. What was it? The, the higher power. Austin, the higher power. Yeah. Really? Okay. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. That he was supposed to be the higher power when they uh, back in the day it was like ninety nine or something like that. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I was either that or like he was gonna be like in the brood, one or both yeah. of them. And I, I don't like it popped in my head. I'm just watching him tonight, and I was like, man, like he's been around for. I mean, you know, and the dude still looks good, and and glad that he's. You know, okay, you higher power over the people are saying, you know, glad, glad that he's on national TV and glad that he's got an office job too. So with the company, so he's got that going. But I was just like, man, talk about a guy who just just never got that, never got that shot in New York, so to speak. Um, yeah, and he's always been very good. And I think they could have done. I mean, my um, my gut tells me that they would have made him into a comedy character because once Vince sees you're funny, and he's like legitimately funny guy. I mean, he's hilarious. And but I think he would have been a really successful comedy character. I think he would have done really well. Uh, but I, either way, we would have seen some great uh, Christopher Daniel matches in WWE, considering all the competition he could have had. Yeah, well, and I guess, I mean, I don't know. I, he's, he's not the tallest, so of course your height. Sure. Yeah, Especially I, at that time, you know, t- you know, today not as big of a deal. But 20 years ago, I mean, they especially were looking at uh, how tall you are. So, okay, that, a higher power, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, knew it was, I knew there was some famous storyline that I heard that he was like, potentially in line for and it wasn't um, yeah and with all due respect to christopher daniels what a letdown that would have been because that's one of the biggest in terms of them just building up who it could have been i mean you thought i mean Vince man was on the short list but there were all kinds of just crazy even on, as to who that could have been even on commentary i remember them acknowledging this like they said they they're hearing rumors of jake the snake rock and right. like 
And, and like at the time, you're right, 99, like, you know, Jake hadn't been with the company in three years. He was knee deep and beyond the mat nonsense. <laughs> like, you know, so like they were just bringing, they were saying things they don't, they didn't normally say. And yeah, you're right. It was just, there was such a, such buzz. And then now it's become the famous like troll job. That's like yeah. a famous troll quote or gif is it's me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> it's me all along. Uh, $1.99 from Bid Moon. Crash pad is all like, man. You, uh, <laughs> Yikes. All super chats. All right. All right. Well, let's get to this match. So this match is a, this match occupied f- the final 40 to 45 minutes. That includes explanation of the rules. That includes entrances. That includes getting all 10 guys in there with minute intervals and such. So here's what I'm going to do, because I know some people don't even watch. And they just kind of listen to us. I'm going to run through, like, I have, like, bullet points of, like, every step and round. I'm not going to give you, like, every punch, but I'm going to give you the bullet points and the, how the tie turned. And then we will just all unload. So everybody just bear with me here for a second. I'll try to do this as, as effectively, but, uh, expi- you know, expedited as possible, as possible here. All right, so... We get both uh, both teams entered. Now, something to note here. I like this, Alfred. Each team is color coordinated or in uniform, which I like because especially not only just for the sense of team resemblance, but like both had like a feel to it. You have the inner circle who's out in these uh, you know prison jumpsuits, and they all have the name of the county prison from wherever they're from on the back. So they got this kind of like they got this. We're here, ready to fight, babyface feel. And then you got the pretty boy pinnacles who are all in just pristine new white ring gear, just ready for blood to yes. soak and stain it. Um, so I like Bro. that. I like that. Yeah. You know, and, you got, and you got all the, and you got all the, and plus you got, you got, at the end of the day, you got, you know, 10 guys ultimately. So I like, it. it's an easy way to keep track of who's with who. Right. You know, no, it would be, you know very easy. If, 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 if one person on the inner circle, one person on the pinnacle, accidentally color codes similar you know it, it, it's a good way to keep division so i like that so i want to point that out so here we go so sammy guevara and dax harwood are going to start sammy of course they, we, we established this last week sammy said he's going to start and we always know that the uh, pinnacle is going to forever have the at man advantage are always going to ha- get to have the, the next person come in first so we get sammy and da- dax hot start this match alfred goes from zero to 60 and never drops below 60 yeah which I think that's pretty impressive considering the length of this. This match never drops below. To keep it going, uh, Sammy, for the most part, is getting the better of a Dax. Um, and then we're going to see Sean Spears. He's in next. He's got a chair. Now it's two-on-one numbers. Ortiz is going to come in. He's got a chair. That evens the odds. Um, we see Sammy and Spears. They both, mind you, it's two rings now, people. They're both on the top rope of two separate rings, eventually jump and get on the same top rope. Sammy hits a Spanish fly, big spot there. Cash Wheeler's in. He, of course, comes to the aid of his tag partner, Dax. Santana then comes in. He breaks up a submission hold. Spears has got Sammy locked in a sharpshooter for about two minutes. Um, then we got Wardlow. He comes in. All of the inner circles now circling him, but Wardlow making quick work of him, of all of them for the most part. But then here comes Hager. We get the eventual Jake Hager, Wardlow showdown. Of course, these two have been just two giant bulls at each other. That's exactly what they do. Finally, MJF comes in. Uh, MJF comes in. You know, he immediately again. He's got the man advantage. Jericho. He comes in. So now everybody's got everybody. They all end up separating to their individual to two separate rings. Look, look, and then it's like the Braveheart just convergence and, and collision here. Uh, Jericho's got a bat. So now he's swinging <laughs> using the bat. Um, we come back from a break. 
uh, FTR. Uh, what do they got going on here? We got FTR. They've got, they've exposed uh, the wood. They've ripped up the the mat, uh, the ring mat. They've exposed the wood, but that backfires them because Sammy uh, Ortiz and Santana pile drive uh, FTR into the ring on the exposed wood. Sammy hits a coast to coast onto a chair onto Sean Spears. Jericho has removed the not just the turnbuckle pad, but the entire clamp. He's he's, he's exposed the entire thing. He's hitting people, including MJF in the face with it. MJF's locked in the camel clutch. Santana pulls out a fork, a la Abdullah the Butcher, as they know. He's gouging MJF with a fork. Blood is everywhere, especially on MJF. Uh, at this point, it is all inner circle. All inner circle is standing up. Everybody on the pinnacle is just, just bloodied and mangled. Warlow tries to bring a comeback, does briefly, until they start hitting him with a chair, including a chair shot to the head. When was the last time on mainstream professional wrestling television in the States have we seen a chair shot to the head in the last decade? Surprise, they went there, but they did that one. Come back from break, we see MJF has escaped. Tully Blanchard has beat up one of the refs, got the key. MJF's gotten out. He's gone for higher ground, meaning literally higher ground. He's on top of the cell. Jericho follows him up there, puts him in the walls of Jericho. MJF escapes by hitting Jericho in the balls. Then, Jer- or then MJF's got his uh, arm bar locked on Jericho. Jericho doesn't submit here at all. MJF puts on the dynamic, the, di- the dynamite diamond ring, hits Jericho with it. He's now standing over. He's ready to throw Jericho off the top of the cell. He screams, surrender, or I throw him. Sammy and the inner circle scream, we surrender, we surrender. Don't know if you picked up on it, but that's what happens. So the bell rings. MJF wins. MJF and the pinnacle win. But then after all that showboating and the announcement, MJF throws Jericho off anyways, off onto the stage through the metal stage. <laughs> Breaking the metal stage, we go off the air. And real quick, before I get to that, we did miss the Kenny Omega promo just before that. Kenny Omega is going to face either Pac or Orange Cassidy at Double or Nothing. Won't say anything more about that because we're going to talk about that, I know, in all the weeks coming up to it. So acknowledge I missed it there. Back to this Blood and Guts match. Pinnacle wins. Your thoughts? I liked the production of this match. I thought... um a lot of the spots like you were talking about, like the Braveheart spot where they all ended up coming together. Uh, they did this great shot with uh, Hager and Wardlow where they just did the wide turn and they zoomed out. These two giants are going to have a showdown early on. It was Sammy Guevara and uh, Sean Spears. They had that great kind of thing. I thought that Spanish fly was incredible. I thought Sammy Guevara was great this whole match. He did have a little bit of a slip up, but I thought he was awesome. And now to the ending, which, you know, a lot of people are crapping on. I will, my natural reaction when I saw Chris Jericho get thrown off for that first time, it was the end of the match was literally deflating. I was just like, Oh, that's when I saw him hit that pad. And it was for me, I know a lot of people are talking about the crash pad and stuff like that, but the kind of metal that was supposed to happen just like blows asunder, like comes in like four or five or six different pieces. It looks like where it's so clear that that's not really like metal or cement, which is what the commentators were saying. They were making it seem like Jericho was going to die if he got thrown off that thing. So if they're going to surrender and you're going to have those stakes at the very least, make it look something real. You know, I give wrestling a lot of kind of leeway, but I did not like that first one. Um, Having said that, and not to be an apologist or anything like that, I did like the wide shot where it's a lot harder to tell that there was kind of that, uh, 
you know, happening with the cardboard that they had on there. So I did like how that looked. But, I mean, all in all, I thought it was a good match. That was a good main event match. It just, uh, there was some stuff. It was a very imperfect match, that's for sure. And I'm very kind of surprised to see how many people are jumping on them for the crash pad thing. But I completely understand because I'm right there with you in terms of when I first saw it, it was very deflating. Yeah, the match, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm very impressed. I'm impressed by all 10 guys because all 10 guys brought it. Nobody cashed it. Nobody, nobody phoned it in. Uh, everybody was, you know, bleeding. Everybody, everybody had a, everybody had a moment, had a story, had a purpose. Um, so I like that. Hats off to that. Uh, again, I, I, I compliment the pace because even, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big NXT fan. When we see NXT, they do war games every year. Even in their war games, they do a much more. They do like a, they build more, which is fine. But this just again, like I said, it went zero to sixty. And I just I, I I couldn't believe that they said they sustained that pace and that level of violence. So hats off there. Um, but yes, the finish on paper that reads as a wonderful, dramatic Hollywood finish. Surrender or I throw him off this effing roof. That's great. You know, that's great. And yeah, we try to give leeway, and we, look, we all know there, there's crash pads or safety things, but it's all it, it's all of what you show, which is all it's all of how you visually present it. What's the camera angle? What do you see? And so, to the hardcore AEW fans who hate any criticism, who are about to, who are who are shaking their screens right now, <laughs> here's why it's a valid criticism. I will go with whatever you visually show me. I know Jericho is being protected. He should be protected. I know he's being protected with the stunt, but when you're showing me up close camera angles of this this painted studded metal that is, well, I think it's cardboard or it's cardboard or a wood panel, probably cardboard, I would imagine. And yeah. you just and, and they're this up close, and you just see it cracked, and you, the foam of the pad is coming. Like you can't unsee that. It takes the illusion away. It just it takes me out of it. So. And you know the stage is, is is it's an elevated stage, so it does not look like you know Foley coming off the cell twenty feet. Mm-hmm. It looks like a yeah, the, the, and again that's all can be manipulated in, in the angle you shoot it to make it look more. But they didn't do that. So on paper, great finish. Um, visually, I did get taken out of it by how it looked. Um, it was not as big of a dud as the the sparkler finish mm-hmm. of the, the 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 death match. But I get the criticism. Uh, I don't think it's fair for the finish to define this match. I think there was so much good blood and guts for 40 minutes. It's not fair to define, let the ending define this. But I get if somebody walks away going, you know, a little deflated because they, they were so high, so fast for so long, you know. Yeah, no, then that's exactly what it was. It was the deflating, and it's a type of match, blood and guts, which I think is going to do a very good number. I think there are a lot of people watching this that don't normally watch wrestling, and that's the type of thing, you know, if you don't watch wrestling all the time and you're not used to suspending your disbelief, you kind of watch it from a cynical sort of mind. You're trying to find out where the where it is that it actually is fake, and if you saw something like this, it's probably enough for some people to be like, well, that'll be enough for me. It was, it was a fun show, but I don't think I'll be back. I, I think that they they might get close. They might do it. They might get their best number ever off of this one. Yeah, I, and, you know. And I was really curious how they would pull this off, how, occupying the the bulk of a second hour with one match, and they still have to take commercials, right? You, I mean, they have commercials, and like, which they did. 
And so, and they did picture in picture in half the commercial breaks. But I was still curious, is that going to break the momentum? Is that going to break the rhythm? But I don't think it did. I don't feel like it did. Um, I thought it was a ballsy move. I don't think they would necessarily do this move of having one match occupy a second hour if they were being opposed to NXT still. I, and I truly believe that. I think that would have been too much of a segment-to-segment segment risk. But I thought, regardless, they handled that risk as best they could because, I mean, chairs, bats, blood, you know, uh, I think Spears cr- crawled up one of the trusses at one point and Jericho was like choking him inside of it, like hanging him. It, like this is enough to like, I mean, it was enough to keep me for, I mean, I was pretty well glued. That's why I said, I don't think it's fair to define and say this match is a failure because the ending didn't look as visually violent and brutal as it should have. Um, I, I think, you know, and again, booking wise, it's the right decision. MJF, you know, I'm a man of my word, surrender. And then of course, of course he's not a man of his word, but uh, visually I get the criticism. And one thing I did like about this match, it also had a lot of the emotion that this feud was promoting leading up to it in that you remember a couple weeks ago, or it was last week when they did the parlay, there was a comment about Ortiz's family that almost led to a brawl. And sometime in this match, when they got those forks out, Ortiz was screaming at Dax, like, you want to talk about my family? So they really kind of connected those dots and made it seem like it meant more. Good point. Uh, Some super chats here. Corey Trench, $5. Tony Khan, I just booked Crash Pad versus Omega. Double or nothing. All right. (laughs) <laughs> um, we got Jax Callens, 499. I'm probably only one, but I love Jericho to low blow MJF and toss him off regardless of the surrender and setting up the big one later. Oh, so it's so Jax's fantasy booking of uh, as MJF's won it for his team, Jericho hitting the low blow and then tossing him off. All right. Um, yeah. You know, again, I, yeah, I, I that would, I, I could have bought that as well. Um, we got, got some more here. Yeah, the super chat. They were waiting. They were waiting to unload them here. Oh, yeah, they're coming for this match. As AEW grows, when they do their big events and they're able to do like access type events, uh, they should have like a cage you can jump off of and land in a crash pad. <laughs> you know, on a bunch of ball things. Come on, just have fun with themselves. Uh, Kelvin R. Alexander, $5. Kelvin says that finish was whack. No way to sugarcoat that. Well, I mean, I, Kelvin, I agree. It, it Well, I, again, the visual of keeping me in the moment, not letting me see the Hollywood tricks. You know, when, when Hans Gruber's tossed off, tossed off Nakatomi Plaza, I don't see the stunt double. I don't see the crash pad. I'm in it. John McClane just threw him off the roof. So, yeah, I saw you got live one take here. The Visually, it does take you out. But I, I, So I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but I don't want to be so cynical that I'm wiping out 40 minutes of really hard work and right. six months plus of good, of good story. But I don't want that to be all wiped out, and I don't think it is. Um, so I'm trying, I'm trying to like kind of walk a fair line of criticism, uh, with this, uh, combo breaker, down nine, nine, all that people remember is the finish. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see after well, we get out of, uh, that's interesting. I don't think the finish was that bad. If the finish is bad, especially as we saw with revolution, if it's that bad, yes, then a finish will define the match. Fair or not. I don't think this finish was at that level where it was so, and it wasn't even the finish. It was just something that it was a, a epilogue is what happened after the match. Yes. Maybe people will remember this, but I don't think it was bad enough to where that's what I'm going to take away from this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what else could they have done? Well, Daniel Bryan shows up and he, but Brian Danielson here, he's with the, he's, he's, he's the six man part of the, of, of the inner circle. And he comes and zip lines in and kicks MJ off off the, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What do we, what, what were we expecting? I don't know. What were everybody's fantasy booking? expectations stella justin lopez 9.99 you can subscribe to the WWE network for that once upon a time the second time they've done this when jericho was beat down by pinnacle all those months ago you saw the pad too uh when wardlow threw him off on aw needs to hire top tier production workers preferably someone who worked with ww worked in WWE. 
Um, again, I know what you're referencing. I, I think that, I mean, I, I mean, maybe stuff like this does come with, you know, like WWE's got people and, and prop masters and, and, and a magic people that, that do specialize in hiding the tricks of the trade and, you know, making the undertaker do things, you know, yeah, I can see always having those people that have experience. Uh, I think a lot of it comes to, I think, I think, I think more than anything, Justin and Alfred, I want to hear your thoughts. I think more than anything, it's even less of all the props and such. It's more of just how you shoot it. And that's been a, a problem I have had with AEW for a long time is some of the live production things they do, whether it be the sound, whether it be their steady cam camera that more time that I've seen more times than I care goes to the wrong tunnel, not knowing is it a baby face or a heel, whether the camera person just doesn't know whether it's not being communicated via headset of what tunnels who's coming out of things like that are things that are like, you know, that, that shows you like that, that show that, that highlights WWE's, you know, yeah, WWE has endless rehearsals and production meetings, but it pays off because we don't see a lot of flaws like that. Um, I think if anything, it's how you shoot things. It's how you stage shots. I think that's where AEW needs the WWE experience and and, and longevity of, of of trial and error. Yeah, and that was going to be my exact response: is the error in their ways wasn't necessarily how they set this up um, and how they did this. It was how they shot it. There have been a lot of times with WWE back in the day with Shane McMahon where he falls something. And I, I would just be like, oh my God, there was a trash can, a tr- crash pad there, right? And they would show an alternate angle and they'd show him lying and you'd be able to see the crash pad. But the way they showed him falling into it, you would never know that there was a crash pad or anything like that. It's just a, about how you kind of use smoke and mirrors to make it look to the viewing public like you fell on something. You know, I'm sure for the people who were there live, it looked pretty badass because they couldn't see unless they saw it on a big screen or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but if only they just got rid of that first thing with that, close up of Jericho falling through all that quote unquote metal. I think this would have been a whole different conversation we're having. Yeah. It's it, sometimes it's what you, do, it's, it's what you don't see. You don't need to show everything. It's what you don't see. Let your mind and imagination travel to the worst, yeah. you know, let them fall and fall in this and fall into an area you can't see. And then if you can quickly remove, you know, your, your, your protection and then show him flush on concrete Okay, great. But yeah, it comes down to what you can't see. And let your mind travel. And you're right. The crowd's on the opposite side. So I'm, I'm really curious to try to scour Twitter. Uh, I saw some people prior to, to, the, to Dynamite starting taking pictures of Daly's Place. Mm-hmm. You saw the big cage in the background. Again, that was another giveaway of like, okay, this is definitely a taped first hour. They already had that cage down and it's not happened for a while. I, I really want to try to get a, uh, a gauge on what their experience was like, particularly with that finish. Did it look good? Did it look bad? Did they even know why the hell did MJF win? You know, like, I mean, Justin Roberts eventually explained it, but in the moment, like, was it confusing? So, um, yeah, you know, a lot of things. And this is, again, <clears throat> AEW, they've only been in the TV business for two years. They've only been in the live, a bit, live event business for two years. So how you shoot things, how things come off to the crowd, uh, all things that are still very much new. WWE's got, you know, four or five decades on them uh, to lean on. So, uh, you know, I mean, but I, but again, I don't want that to be the defining thing. I think overall, Blood and Guts, uh, a, a solid show. And I, Alfred, I think, I, I think they're going to tie or get close to breaking and having their best viewership number. I really do. I do. I'm pretty bullish on the number that they're going to do. I'll be surprised if it's not over a million. And I think it will be their highest number they've done. I'm looking at 1.2, 1.3 million for this show. Well, what, well the largest is what? 1.2? I think 1.2 is around their largest. Uh, the first show they ever did was the largest, and I think that was around 1.2. That might have been a little higher than that, but it was around 1.2. Uh, and we should be note too. I got you know a loud 
the fan support tonight. Again, like I said, 1,500 fans. They are doing double or nothing. May 30th, and as we know, uh, so I guess I'll kind of circle back to this, Kenny Omega, he's going to fight either Pac or Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy did come out uh, while Kenny's finding this out, and Kenny just runs him down, people like you, putting him down. So really kind of screams that it's going to be Orange Cassidy as his match. Um, and that double or nothing pay-per-view, May 30th, Alfred, is going to be in front of a full capacity at Daly's Place, which I think is 5,000. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a good night. I think... I like the fact that they're doing something with Orange Cassidy now because they kind of went cold on him after he beat Jericho and seemed like he was ready for that type of main event push that he's finally getting now. But they've done very well with him this past month. I love this match uh, against Penta. I thought that was a lot of fun. And they're going to really lean on him being the underdog. It doesn't even seem like Pac's going to win this match. I mean, it already seems like they have their mind made up as to who the challenger will be for Kenny Omega. And I know it's going to be Cassidy versus Pac, but I'd be very surprised if Pac won based on the story that they told tonight. Can Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega, is that your headliner or is that your semi-main or are we ending with like the Bucks and, and all the stuff we were talking about earlier with that? I think it should be your headliner. I mean, you could argue whether it does live up to that top billing, but if this is the AEW championship that's your most important championship, I understand not headlining with it on nights where you have like a lights-out sanctioned match or the unsanctioned match because then you at least have an out as to why your title didn't headline the pay-per-view. But this would be very weird to me if this match did not headline the, ma- the event. Well, and I guess keep in mind, we also don't know uh, what of the inner circle and pinnacle makes it onto that card. Or where are we at in, uh, you know, in 25 days? So um, maybe something else could also make a case for what is the headlining. Uh, Chris Pantalia, $1.99. Tony Khan will say <laughs> Omega built the crash pad. <laughs> the, no, roast, the roast of the crash pad and, and Tony Khan booking tonight uh, is... And, and look... Maybe, you know, we got like right now, I think live just on YouTube, I think is the number I'm looking at here. We have like over 700 people. That doesn't count for wow. Twitch and, and Facebook and, and Twitter. It's, 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 we, we've been doing tens of thousands, which is insane, which is great. Just what I can see in the numbers I'm looking at, maybe the majority of those people are fine with this finish. But the number that I want to focus on, the people that are jumping to spend money to give Raj money are the people that want to go, this was a crash pad ending. (laughs) (laughs) They want the whole world to know. They want to expose this match for what it truly was. (laughs) Oh, crash pad gate. We've got ourselves a controversy on our hands. Listen, I love when AEW does these bad finishes because it leads to such great podcasts. I mean, I remember when they did that revolution finish. That was some of the most anger I've ever seen in a chat in terms of criticizing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, this has been fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. So we'll go to next Wednesday. Uh, they're live next Wednesday. They were promoting that. They're selling tickets. And next Wednesday will also be live. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what they have teed up. Uh, so that was that. So that was that was tonight. That was blood and guts. Um, trending. Probably going to be one of the best numbers. Uh, Alfred, any final thoughts anywhere in the pro wrestling world? Anything you want to plug and promote? Uh, just uh, watch me on Forbes. We're going to have an interview with MLW's Court Bauer. I know you heard those rumors about MLW possibly working with WWE. He did talk about them. You might be very interested in what he had to say. Uh, but follow me on Twitter at This Is Nasty, YouTube Pro Wrestling Bits. What a tease. Uh, I'm at Justin Labar, and uh, you can uh, follow me there. Uh, Friday morning, I'll be back on Busted Open Radio, as I am every Friday morning on Channel 156 on Sirius XM Radio. I'll be with Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca. Uh, at 10 a.m. if you want to listen live or just download the app or the podcast, you can listen on demand whenever you shall please. Uh, final 
Final Crash Pass <laughs> Super Chat will end on $1.99. Chris Pandalia, two more bucks for Crash Pad. All right, last call for alcohol, y'all. Any more Crash Pad comments, or do we think we got them in? I think we... Crash Pad is the biggest draw in wrestling. Crash Pad's over. Crash Pad is over. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it on that. All right, thanks to everybody. We really appreciate it. again. Dead serious. I'm looking at YouTube numbers. I can't see everything live unless I have like a million screens. Um, you guys are kicking ass on our oh, yeah. Twitch page, the Facebook page, watching live on Twitter, Periscope, uh, YouTube. I mean, it's it's w- this is really growing and, and becoming a thing. So thank you very much. Uh, if you're commenting, watching live, watching after the fact, love it. Send a comment to any of us on Twitter. Tell me how you're listening. If, are you are you driving to work? Are you working from home? Are you taking a class and tuning the teacher out, listening to us? Whatever it is, I'd love to know how you're listening, why you're listening, what you like, what you want to see and hear more of. We really do appreciate it. And tell a friend. Keep growing this. This has been great. So uh, Wrestling Inc. will be back live on all these channels Friday night after SmackDown. Until then, thank you very much and be good. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.